who am I to think that all the chemical reactions in the world are going to are going to meet the expectation that I have for myself, my life, and my orbit. What is up, everybody? And welcome back to the Schooling Struggle Podcast. It is our belief that the only guarantee in life is that we are all going to struggle, and how we choose to embrace our struggles is what empowers us to become the best versions of ourselves. How's it going? How's it going? Welcome to episode 50. Five zero. Nice. My name is Pete, coming to you from Heartland, Vermont. And with me is my friend and co-host, Todd Ellis, coming to you from Tacoma, Washington. What's up, Todd? 50. Has it really been 50? (laughs) Well, if we're doing the math, it actually should be 54, because this is our fourth attempt at recording episode 50. Oh. Four weeks ago, we were unable to have our uh, guest at the time hook up to the Wi-Fi. That's right. And then the week after that, uh, your Wi-Fi had issues, and then things got all crazy for you at work, and then I went on vacation, and we are all back here a month later after not having released an episode for a month. We are officially, hopefully, everything will work when the technology end, recording episode 50. And I think what's interesting is we had zero technology issues in episodes yeah. 1 through 49. Yeah, that is and interesting. Then, yeah, we've just gone over 4. Well, over 3. This is our fourth attempt at episode <laughs> 50. So. Welcome to episode 50, hey, Todd thanks. Ellis. We'll What's see, going we'll on on the left coast? Um, not much. You know, it's windy and dreary, just like typical. Not much going on over here, you know? I got some I got some really nice picks from you in the last couple of days coming from Mountain Baker. Did you get a good snowboard day in or I two had, in? I had two two great snowboard days. As a matter of fact, the second was better than the first, except for the fatigue on the legs when you're shoveling through 20 inches of fresh powder. But um, yeah. Yeah, it was great. Good times with good friends, and yeah, oh, that's awesome. Mm-hmm. So while you're up snowboarding, I was actually down in Florida, and I was psyched because my daughter, just by the skin of her hair, was 48 inches tall. So that means nice. she can go on all the big kid rides, <laughs> and she doesn't like roller coasters. And so we'd be in line for a really intense roller coaster, and I'd say, because I love roller coasters, I love roller coasters, and so does my wife. We'd say, "Hey, you don't have to go on this. Like, we can do the child swap. I'll go, and then mommy will go." And we'll both stay with you in line. Yeah. She's like, I really don't want to go on the ro- roller coaster, Daddy, but I really, really don't want you to go on it without me. Oh. So she went on every roller coaster. Um, and we talked to her about, and I think this ties in a lot with what we talk about on the the show here, is that being brave doesn't mean you're not scared. Being brave means you're scared, but you do the thing. Yeah, you venture into the unknown, into your zone of discomfort. And and she was really brave, and I was proud of her. And uh, we had a really good, good time. Good job, LJ. Was yeah. the first one just like she was she was soldered to the handle, just like yeah. <laughs> yes, <laughs> on all of them, on all of them. And yeah, yeah. you know how they take the pictures at the like this craziest part, and then they yeah. try to sell you the picture for eighteen bucks. Well, yep. I just took a screenshot of the picture. Good job. So, like, I have it with the text going through it. It says "photo for sale," but I still have like the the, the captured moment of her squeezing my arm with her eyes closed. It was great. That's awesome. Good time. Good yeah. Time. The other thing I want to share is I'm now officially three and a half weeks into my new class, better than yesterday. Oh, well, how's we that going? Briefly, we talked briefly about it uh, last fall, and I was setting up for it and all sorts of anxious and nervous, and I capped the class at 20 students, and there was a little bit of a mishap with the registration and 27 kids <laughs> signed up, which was awesome, Good. and we're rocking and rolling. We're doing some really, really cool stuff every day, and I'm really grateful and astounded by what the kids are willing to do to venture outside their zones of comfort 
uh, each day in class. So we do some really cool stuff. And uh, something really cool happened. My my principal wanted to pilot a program by giving each kid in the class a fitness tracker. So now every kid in the class has a wrist-worn fitness tracker to track their steps, their heart rate, and their sleep every day. And I'm so psyched for these high schoolers to start tracking their sleep. That's the main reason why I wanted it, yeah. for, for them to start to get some objective data on their sleep and how it relates to how they're feeling the next day and these types of things. So we've got some really cool stuff going on. You'd be very proud. Every single day we do some form of meditation and very good breathing practices. We're doing box breathing. We're doing belly breathing. We're doing in through the nose, out through the mouth. I read the daily stoic to them every single day. Um, so they get their little piece of wisdom. We do some physical challenges. We do some stretching. We do a lot of mindset work and we do a lot of venturing outside of our comfort zone socially. And they also get time each week to what I call invest in themselves. And they're all, they're working on all sorts of different projects. And a couple of times a week, we just take a block of time, like 20 minutes where they can work on something that they want to improve upon. So I have one kid that's actually in her sixth year of writing this novel that she started six years ago wow. when she was in middle school. I have another girl that's learning to knit. I, I set up a gym in the classroom. So there's pull-up bar, bench press, dumbbell. So some kids will work out during that time. Now, is other this in kids, a regular classroom as opposed to the PE, the PE spot? So it's kind of like <laughs> so going back to school. All my other classes are in the fitness center. There's a, a dedicated oh. space for fitness. is actually in a separate building from the, class, yeah. from the school. But this <laughs> class is in a school classroom. And the teacher who teaches in that classroom Oh, Doug Anton. We had him on. Yeah. He was the financial guy. Um, he has just, just been so gracious and so willing to let me come in and kind of <laughs> take over his spot for one period of the day. And we've been doing some really cool stuff, and I'm super That's psyched. Awesome. Nice work. Yeah. What's the what's – the, uh, is there a, a measure of success, or is it just a pilot and you're just going to see how it goes? Uh, I plan to run the class as long as they'll let me. Um, the, measure, the measure of the class, and it's, it's going to be hard to objectively assess it, um, is – the stuff that we're covering in class is a carrying over to the students' lives outside of the building. So has has the needle moved in any way, shape, or form in these students' lives in what I call the five pillars of health, uh-huh. which is mindset, exercise, nutrition, sleep, um, connecting with others? Did I just name five? I, I don't think know. I named all five. Yeah. So um, yeah. So I, I'm I'm over the moon about how it's been received by the kids and how respectful they've been and how willing they are to turn the lights off in the room and lay down in the yoga mats and do some deep breathing yeah. and all these things that don't happen in schools. And, um, I'm getting some positive feedback from the kids. So I'm super psyched about it. That's cool. Nice work. Yeah. And that is a segue to tonight's episode because each week I do a quarter of the week or a focus of the week. And, um, when we were originally supposed to record episode 54 weeks ago, <laughs> the quarter of the week that, uh, I wanted to shape today's episode around is this comparison is a thief of joy and the foundation of unhappiness. And I'm really excited to pick your brain, Todd, and to get some of your perspectives on this quote. Again, comparison is the thief of joy and the foundation of unhappiness. Hmm. So I'm curious as we dive into this topic, if uh, we want to share different areas of our own lives where we consciously or subconsciously maybe find ourselves comparing ourselves. And when I say comparing ourselves, I think it's often easy to jump to we're comparing ourselves to other humans. Like this person has this and I don't have that, or this person is doing this and I don't have, and I'm not doing that. But at, and when I, when I really dive deep into it for myself, it's not necessarily comparison to other people because comparison doesn't have to be necessarily comparing ourselves to others, but comparing 
what the possibility of our life would be with or without the thing versus not, right? So I can, I can maybe see something that I might want or a trip I might want to go on or a job that I might want to have or type of relationship that I might want to be in. And someone else doesn't necessarily have to have it, but I think, oh, well, that would be really cool to have in comparing that to the life that I'm in right now. So there's many different ways I think that we as humans can kind of compare ourselves or wish for things that we don't have. And I'm just interested initially what your thoughts and perspectives are when I say comparison is the thief of joy and the foundation of unhappiness. Yeah, I think that, like you said, I think there's a lot there. It depends on on the, I guess, the the definition of comparison, but I wonder if it actually matters that much at the root level. So when I think when I when I think about comparison, my mind my mind obviously jumps to things like CrossFit, things like you know, like you were saying, like me against this person, or you know, or, or a difference in traits between these two people, or it could be even more than more than two people. But I, I don't, and I in those in those contexts, I don't know if I agree with the fact that it's you know the the erosion of of joy or, or however you worded it, because I think that in order to grow in areas like that, sometimes you have to, you have to have a, an ability to sum up what it is that you need to do to get better through that comparison, right? So let's say, let's use CrossFit, for example, um, you know, somebody has ring muscle-ups, right? And I'm like, damn, I can't, I can't do that, but I can do a bar muscle-up. So then it, I begin to think about how do I break down the things that are between those two movements that that person does well that I don't do well in order for me to grow. So in that respect, comparison wouldn't be, I, I think, I would think that would be a manner of growth. But on the other side, I think if, if you're, if you're grasping to cling on to something that you want so badly and you and you don't know how to get there then i think that comparison is unhealthy does that make sense yeah i think it does it, it does make sense um i spent time in places where i feel like like keeping up with the joneses was a big part of that culture mm-hmm. uh, i spent some time in some some suburbs outside of boston where um at least from my perspective affluency was incredibly prevalent and the the competitive machine of these kids in high school to get to the Ivy League schools, to yeah. get the big jobs, to make the money, um, I, I've seen it in that in that regard. Um, but like you mentioned with the CrossFit thing, and, and you were making some references to a movement called the Muscle Up, and just for those that aren't familiar, it's just the ability to jump up, grab onto a bar, and pull your your upper torso up over the bar. And it's also done it with gymnastics rings. So that's what Todd's referring to. And for some people, doing it on the rings is more difficult than doing it on the bar, and vice versa for other people. Um, as we speak right now, we're in the midst of what is called the CrossFit Open, which is a competitive landscape for people that decide to take that on. Me being one of them, I, I take it too serious, but I do feel like my life is more fulfilled with when there is some level of competition in there. And I don't know if it's necessarily that I'm comparing myself to others or just comparing myself to my former self, but having that carrot um, leads to a higher level of fulfillment in my life, I think. Sometimes I question if it's worth it, the time and energy that I'm putting into it. Um, but what led me to originally to the the thought of this comparison to the Thief of Joy, I think I've shared with you my time in Vietnam, seeing these kids that literally had nothing were playing in trash piles on the side of the highway and that were that looked to be happy as clams. They were just having a blast. And I think that we as humans often don't recognize what we don't have until we see what others have. And mm-hmm. that's when some of the resentment and some of the comparison starts to set in. And, and I think that uh, we now live in a world where we're very, very able to 
see and access where others are accessing through the internet. And we now are aware, I think, much more of what we don't have prior to pre-internet. So like, I think at age seven, my daughter's much more aware of what she does not have than I was when I was seven. And I just think that's just, just one small example. But I think generally speaking, we're cool with what we have until we see what we don't have or what we could have that other people have. And that's kind of where the whole thing kind of jumpstarted for me. But I, I do believe that without others, without that comparison, the the need to progress, to grow, to get better um, could be blunted. Yeah. I can see it. I can clearly see it both ways. And I think it's a, it's a multifaceted situation. I think that when you were talking about the areas of affluence or whatever in Boston, my mind started thinking about <laughs> that crazy word that we talk about a lot. It's the expectation, right? So is that comparison driven by the expectation of the culture, the family, right? Like you better go to Ivy League school. And now yeah. now I have to be in a comparison because now there's this huge weight on my back, right? Um, when I think about, in, like I also think about this in the terms of like my own my own psyche or even my job or even like neurodiversity and all that. It's like when I think about the ways that I'm different that I will never be in the, like organizationally, like I have a hard time organizing things right, or keeping on task, right? But I'm never going to have those things. So in, for so for me to compare myself to somebody, which I have done in the past and say, man, I really wish I could do that. Or can you teach me how to do that? Knowing pretty much well that I'm not ever going to get it, like I'm never going to get it. I think that's where it begins to fringe on unhealthy because now I'm now I'm I'm languishing and I'm I'm like seeing how much different I'm assuming really is what's happening. I'm assuming how much different it could be if only I had these things, right? So but I think that I think that it what's underneath all of that is this awareness and this expectation of I know myself enough to know that I'm never going to be able to do that and then I have to be fine with that. So I think if we if we as teachers, we as humans, we as parents, I think if we teach our kids you know, things are nice to to look at and, oh, they're shiny, but that doesn't mean we necessarily need those in order to make a life that's fruitful and bountiful and somewhere we can be productive. Yeah. And I'm wondering, like, what level of maturation does one have to have to understand that to begin with, right? Because I see high schoolers every single day living that life of comparison. And, and I remember doing it when I was in high school. And, um, I, you know, I don't know if it's any more or any less now than it was then. Um, but how about the That's, kids in your new class? How do they do you touch on that? Yeah, we I mean we spent a good amount of time talking about that and you know uh, if you take uh, like a social media app like Snapchat. So Snapchat, you can go on the app and you can open up a map literally of the world and you can see where everyone that you're connected with on that app where they are at that very moment. Mm-hmm. So I could very easily on a Friday night go on that app and see that all my friends are over here at this person's house but I'm not there. Uh, Whether I recognize it or not, I'm going to compare myself. I'm going to say, I'm not there and they're all there. They're having a good time. Yeah. yeah. So I think that inherently with some of some of the stuff that uh, the kids are dealing with now, I think that that is just there. I also think, you know, Instagram, we're seeing the best of everybody's life. It's a, you know, it's a highlight reel of everybody's life. And the whole game there is to make yourself look different than you really are. And, and there's a a very high level of comparison Hmm. there as well. Yeah. Um, it's interesting it's you mentioned the, the organization piece because I listed seven or eight things in which I find myself comparing, and organization is absolutely one of them. I just cut you off. Go ahead. No, I I can't remember where I was going. I I, I think that when paired with that like awareness, I think that actually it becomes opportunistic. So I, I think that if you if if you are able to look at it objectively 
these differences, like I, like I led it to at the beginning, but, and then you can see like a path out of it. Like, you know, like you were saying in the, in the Snapchat example, right? If, if only those people who are looking at that had the education to say, but I don't pin my worth or worthiness on being invited to that party, well, then you've interrupted the entire thing and then it becomes a, a tool, right? As opposed to like a downside. So yeah, I think it's in the learning. Yeah, I agree with that. Yeah. And again, the question for me just becomes, how do you get someone there? Or how do you, as a parent or a teacher or ourselves, how do we how do we get someone to that level of uh, self-confidence or self-investment? They don't, they don't need the comparison. Because I think yeah. on the flip side of it, we... As humans, and me, I've definitely done this many times in my life, where we use comparison to make ourselves feel better, right? It's like, I've heard often people say, well, oh. the way that I deal with my challenges or obstacles is I just think, you know, there's someone in the world that has it worse than I do. So so I'm kind of on a little bit of a, a journey to not use comparison to make myself feel better or worse. And um, yeah, somebody definitely absolutely has it worse than I do, but just saying that and thinking that to make myself feel better. I don't know that that is super advantageous or has any utility in it either. Yeah. It's, <laughs> I never really thought about, thought about it that way, but that's a way to be humble, right? It's like, yeah, it's, it's very interesting where those things come from, how you're taught those things. And, and I, I think most importantly is, is when, like you were saying, so like if, if I think back to when I was in high school or when I was younger, so I'm 46 now, so I, <laughs> I've had a while to look back and I think about, <laughs> when was that time when I stopped caring about what people thought? Like, when was the time when I clearly remember times in high school, even middle school where it, like I was just filled with shame because I didn't have the right clothes or I didn't have, you know, like I just didn't fit in, in whatever mannerism. But I think there was definitely a time or an event where all that was stripped away for some reason. And I just thought, I don't care about that anymore. I'm moving over here. So I wonder what, I wonder if there's a way to like hone in or, exercise those muscles of that realization of it doesn't matter. And I don't, yeah, that's an interesting, I don't know where it came from, but, and, or even when it happened, but yeah. And, and the liberation of that is unbelievable, you know, and every day I see kids struggling with that because they're carrying so much weight based on what they think other people see or think about them. And it's funny that you mentioned that because I was having a conversation with a kid today and they were asking me when it was that I hit that point. And, and I've, I think it was when I was 27. Like I felt like right around that time, I was really starting as I as I was telling the student, I said I was just easing into my prime when I was 27, and they were <laughs> laughing because they're like 17. They're like, "Holy crap!" Ten years from now, and when you're 17, 27, you may as well be 57. Yeah, right. It's never gonna. And happen. I was like, "Yeah," I was like, and I still feel like I'm in that prime since I was <laughs> since I was 27. But um, that was, I think, that was when I started to really, you know, let go of what I thought my parents' expectation of me was in, in regards to career. Um, I was, you know, out of college and I could kind of travel wherever I wanted and do whatever I wanted. And I lived out of the back of my truck and I was worried about what people thought about that. And then all my friends who were working in offices were like, bro, I'm so jealous of you. They're like, I just going and sitting in this cubicle each day and I would give anything to, you know, have the life that you have. And so then I, so like I was saying, then I started to think that I had the best life. I was like, oh, all my friends are telling me how miserable they are sitting in cubicles and they have the golden handcuff. They have the nice car. They have the apartment that they can't not work now because they have all these resp financial responsibilities. And I'm just out here going from one country to the next, coming home, working construction for a couple months, going back out, seeing another country. And so, I was just, I was living my best life. And, and I'd come home and I'd say to people, you know, I have the best life. And they'd be like, 
you might, but that sounds pretty cocky. You know, you're, and, and I was comparing myself to everyone else saying, well, if I have the best, then that's kind of a level of comparison. And, uh, it's such a, it's such a fascinating topic when I, maybe, when I think the, of it. maybe what it is, is maybe what it is, is the validation and the realization that what you're doing actually seems that way to somebody else. Because if you think about like all of the time you're in school and all, you're always trying, you're, you're striving to achieve, to be like a group of people. But when, when somebody else says like, this happened to me, like, oh, I'm, I, you meet a girlfriend or, you know, somebody that, that like changes your perspective a little bit. And then suddenly you're like, wait, you actually think I'm cool. Like that's different because I didn't think I was cool and I've been trying to mm-hmm. be cool for a long time. And now it's like, well, we can just hang out because you think I'm cool, but forget all my friends. Like, like that's fine. They're doing, they're doing stuff that's not cool anymore. So maybe it's just in that validation that begins to, to like, to build our confidence around, no, I'm actually doing all right. And then you go on your own path. And then that's, maybe that's when 27 hits and you're like, I'm doing all right. Like I can keep doing this because I'm happy with what I'm doing. So yeah, know, there's levels of it, of contentment. Yeah. And I also wonder, if we talk about um, expectation being the mother of all disappointment. Oh, yeah. Where does expectation versus comparison lie in that we're comparing our expectation, what we expect or think or, you know, how we think something's going to go versus how it really goes. And then we compare the two, right? Like the reality versus the expectation of the Mm -hmm. thing. And I think to me, that's almost where this comparison is a thief of joy and the foundation of unhappiness really is where the rubber beats the road. Like, because I often compare, oh, this isn't what I thought it was going to be. I heard somebody much smarter than me saying, if you break it down to science, the entire world is just small chemical reactions happening. Like the human body and the cells, all chemical reactions, all forms of matter. And I'm not a scientist and I'm going to pretend to be, but that basically everything that's happening in this world is a summation of a a series or a system of chemical reactions. And I have my expectation of how this is going to go. And those chemical reactions didn't lead up to the expectation I have. Who am I to think that all the chemical reactions in the world are going to, are going to meet the expectation that I have for myself, my life and my orbit. Yeah. That's pretty wild. When you put it, when you put it in those little, little tiny micro. Yeah. I mean, that's just, that's just mind boggling, right? Like, like we're all just spinning in this vast sea of soup. And yeah. Just the fact that we can even think it's, it's pretty, pretty wild. Right. And then yeah. we go building on top of that, with these expectations of how we ought to be like, that's just, that is bizarre. But So, th- so then it's like, well, what's the meaning of life or what's the purpose of life? And it's like, it's to manage all these chemical reactions, right? So like I didn't expect that I was going to get an offender bender my way into school this morning and I get a fender bender. I didn't expect that. How I manage that, how I navigate yeah. that, how I respond to that basically makes me who I am. And that I think that's that's what life is. Yeah. I mean, it's all about our response, right? Because that's all we truly own. I mean, really, if you think about it. But yeah, at the cellular level, that's... It's beyond my grasp, but yeah, that's pretty wild. Yeah. So in preparation for this episode, I listed a couple areas of my life, I think, where I definitely put more weight into comparison, or if you want to put it expectations, than than I would like. And I was going to share a couple of these, and if you relate to any of these, chime in and jump in, and if you have any of your own that you want to share. But um, I think one of them is with my physical appearance. I, I... I have this expectation <laughs> that 
I'm going to be the energetic guy or the the young guy in the room. And I always like to say, before I just wanted to be the young guy, but now I realize I'm old. So I'm not, now I just want to be the old energetic guy or the <laughs> old fit guy. So when it comes to like physical appearance, um, I put more weight into that. I feel that is healthier than I should. Um, with my fitness, um, just because it's tied into so many aspects of my life, I had this expectation of myself or this comparison of myself to others that I am practicing what I preach and I am what I say I'm going to be as far as fitness goes. Um, I did write down the organization piece. I'll look at someone who I think is just so much more organized in different areas of their life. Maybe it's their home. Maybe it's the, how they go about their career. Maybe it's how they manage their, their kids. Uh, maybe how they manage. Scheduling is a really difficult thing for me. Thankfully, it's a, it's a strength of my wife. But I don't even do any of the scheduling anymore. So like my scheduling has gotten worse over the 13 years since I've gotten married. And now I just lean on her for all of that. And that is just like not good. Yeah. Um, definitely how others are liked. It's important to me to be liked. Like I'm, I'm not gonna, not gonna lie about that. Like I being liked is important to me. I heard someone say the other day, it's not, it's not important to me that I'm liked. It's important to me that I'm respected. And there's definitely a lot of people out there who I don't like that I respect. And that's a place that I'd like to get to, but I'd be lying if I said I didn't care about being liked. Um, I find that I don't really care much about how others spend money, but I do find myself comparing myself to those who I know who are good savers. So like, I don't say like this person goes on great vacations or this person has a nice house or this person has cool stuff or this person has a nice car. I don't, that doesn't matter to me. But if I know someone's putting like a higher percentage of their savings into their retirement or whatever than me, then I'll start to compare myself to that. Really? Yeah. That's yeah. Wild. That, yeah. Yeah, I feel like I'm not like not as diligent with my saving as I could or should be when I start to compare myself to other people who I know who are better in that regard than me. What's who are like? Safe. Wow, but why? I mean, you can't I take I, it with I, you. Like, like, why do you want to amass a whole bunch of money and then be like, I was the best saver? Like, well, first, make first, first, let's be straight. I'm a Vermont teacher. It doesn't matter what. It doesn't matter how much I save. I'm never going to amass about yeah, that much well, money. Jen and I are very deliberate about how we spend and we choose to spend our yeah. money on traveling. Like we like to go on, if we could go on three trips a year, that would be amazing for us. And we have X amount of money that goes into the the travel account every month. And that's what we use to travel mm-hmm. with. But yeah, just the, uh, I, I just, it's one place in my life where yeah. I compare myself to others. Mm-hmm. Um, I also definitely like if someone talks about a place that they've been or I feel they're more well-traveled than me, like I start to be like, oh, I need to go to that place. And maybe not because I want to go to that place, just because that person's been to that place and I want to go to that place too. Wow, yeah, I find myself, a- yeah, comparing huh. myself there. And then as I've shared with many times over on this podcast, um, I do compete the fun right out of stuff. And um, <laughs> there's definitely some level of comparison there with where I finish or where I am on the leaderboard or any things. And that's, that's led to injury. That's led to frustration. That's re- led to minor depression. Um, so yeah, those are areas of my life where I think that I compare more than is healthy. Well, thank you for sharing. That's so fascinating to me. I don't, I don't feel like I really, I think the only place I really care about, like, like I can think about, Oh, like I clearly don't meet that measure or like I could do better. And I've talked about this a million times, but like parenting, but there's actually other other scopes too, but I think that what what always brings me back is the fact that if you look hard enough and you look close enough at the things that you lost after whatever it is, like those comparison points, if you know if you get close enough to them, this has been my experience. If I get close enough to them, you can begin to see 
where the frayed areas are. So it's not perfect for anybody, right? And so you're like, oh, this person thinks they're a better parent, except for, you know, their kids out self-harming or, you know, they're doing something crazy that that, that they're like, don't tell my parents. And so there's always this fascinating, like, you're not as good as you thought you were, but neither is anybody else. So that just kind of yeah. disarms the whole thing. But you have to look pretty close. And so it's like, yeah, I don't know. That's weird. Yeah, what I come back to often is we're all just human. Yeah. Like we're, we're all just human. And that's a really comforting thought for me when I start to get wrapped up in, oh my gosh, that person is a better parent than me or that person's got their <laughs> stuff more organized than I do or that, that person's got it figured out. And I'm like, we're all just human. Yeah. And, and that's, um, that's kind of new for me. I might have shared that in a fairly recent episode because I've been suing on that quite a bit lately. And uh, that's been helpful for me. Yeah. But so it's just a, it just brings it down to a, something that you can feel at ease with, right? Like, yeah. yeah. Mine's the same. Like, we all breathe the same air. And once you say that to people, they're like, oh, you know, you're actually right. Like, if we didn't have just air, that guy wouldn't be doing anything better that you thought that he was doing that you weren't doing. Like, we all have this common shared yeah. thing. Very interesting. Now I'm at a, now I'm at a point, p- purposely do things. So you'll be like, hey, Peter, guess where I went? <laughs> <laughs> you're just going to look up random places on the I'm map and be like, make yeah. things up. I went to the mall dives last weekend. You need to go there. And not only do you know, need to go there, you need to go there and get your scuba certification. Because I went, yeah. slept in a coconut tree with a monkey. It was the best thing ever. <laughs> Something yeah. I admire about you, though, as I, I feel, and I'm not just saying this to make you feel good. I'm, I'm telling you because I, I believe this. I don't feel that comparison is a is a hindrance to to you and to how you go about your life and your day. I, I feel like you're accepting of who you are and and it's really comforting for me to be around that. Yeah, thanks. Yeah. I, in my mind, I'm like, I'm not that person. <laughs> but, I, but I really don't care. Like, I, I truly could say that I, I can't think of many things other than like the work thing or, you know, wanting to be more purposeful about like just things that I know would make me better. Like things that like the organization or, you know, being able to keep track of things. And, like that drives me nuts and I wish I could do it. I know I can't, but there's nothing where I'm like, man, I, I need a faster car than that guy or I need to have a bigger house. You know, like those things just don't occur to me. I just, if, if I'm comfortable, then it's good enough for me. So, so let me ask you this. You've mentioned in a number of episodes how oh. you wish that you had less clutter or that you hold on to stuff that you're probably never going to use, but you hold on to it anyway. If you walked into someone's workshop or shed or garage or basement and it was like, totally organized and they only had what they needed and it was just like clutter free would you think to yourself oh man i wish no. that i had this set up no. because I, because i believe that i i believe that i only keep the things and this is going to sound crazy but i believe that i only keep the things that they're going to have utility at some point like when i used to i used to work on cars a lot of time with my dad's dad and he had this like green case of um, pull-out drawers that he'd had for God only knows how long. And, you know, one of them's got bolts in it. One of them's got washers. And they're all organized into different sizes, different thread pitches. Like, you know, and he worked on machines all the time. So it made sense. Like, oh, I need, you know, an eight millimeter bolt. We'll go grab that out of the drawer and now I need it. I brought that, when he died, I brought that to um, into my family. And now I've expanded on it, obviously. So, you know, every time I find washers, I chuck them in the washer drawer. And my wife says to me not too long ago, she's like, why would you ever need that many washers? And I thought, well, when you, when you come at me, and you, when you come to me and you say, do you have a washer or something? Well, that's exactly, that's exactly why, right? I don't need 5,000 washers, but I mean, that hopefully that will carry on and I can give that away to my son and then he'll be like, I got these washers. So I don't know. I, right. I, I see them as having utility as opposed to 
everything has its place, which I don't know. It would drive me nuts if everything, if I walked into a shop and everything was just like sterilized, you know, it's just, I don't know. Yeah. But I don't, I really thought much about that. But the things that, the things I think you're talking about that I don't need are like things that I'd forgotten about that I put in a junk drawer, like twist ties. Like I do not need 500 twist ties. I don't even use a twist tie, let alone do I need 500 of them. So we, we clean that up. Right. So I don't know. Yeah. You mentioned that when it comes to comparison, if you were to kind of point one for your life, it would be the parenting area or not even? Like, I, I only think that be, I don't think I could, would compare. I don't think comparison really applies there. I think, I think that it's more of, um, it's more of an awareness and an acknowledgement of the deficits that I, that I have or the places that I haven't parented well, as opposed to who does it better than I could do it. Because I mean, you know, you're a parent, there's no book for that. Like, good luck. And just when you think you got it, the kid will change. And then you're like, okay, well, I don't know what happened to my kid a minute ago. But, uh, but one thing, one thing, one thing I can kind of attach to, and I've led, I've talked about this before, and it's even more prevalent again in my life, which is very interesting, is um, we used to have a black lab. Her name was Lily. She died before we remodeled our house. And our house used to be like you know, beige, you know, vinyl floor, and she was a black dog and she would shake and our dog hair would be everywhere. And it used to just drive me nuts, right? And so I would be constantly like creating these bad habits where I'm sweeping the floor. And then I'm thinking to myself, how come everybody else doesn't sweep the floor as often as I do? Because they know this drives me crazy. So then I start, be- I begin to, to build this loop of garbage around it. And then I'm placing expectations on other people about how you should be cleaning up because it makes me feel more comfortable. And now I have two dogs and a gray floor and white cabinets. One of them's black and one of them's white. And I'm, it's beginning to happen again because I'm like, hmm. how long can I wait for this, for somebody to clean up these tumbleweeds from these dogs and nobody seems to care as much as I do. So now I'm like, yeah. I always have to check myself. So it's not a comparison that I wish I was tidier like somebody else. I'm a pretty clean person, but it's a comparison to what I thought I had had lost and now it's coming back. And so that's really interesting to unwind. Like, why is that behavior there? What am I going to do about it? And because sometimes I'm just like, let's get rid of these dogs because they are driving me absolutely crazy. And, yeah. you know, it's like, it's not their fault. And I'm like, you're right, but I guess it's your fault. We'll quit bringing these dogs here. I don't know. So that's one that bothers me a bit but yeah where i get stuck on that kind of stuff is i'm getting more neurotic about spaces being yeah, neurotic. Um, more more organized and and less clutter as i as i yeah. age and um i know that it's not that big of a deal in the twenty nine thousand foot view mm. and i still will be sweeping in frustration or be cleaning in frustration knowing that really this is not that big of a deal yeah and that drives me even more crazy because i'm like mm-hmm. i know better than to get frustrated by this and i'm getting frustrated by yeah. this yeah i'm looking yeah. at me. here i am <laughs> yeah. yeah and so like when it comes to comparison is like i can look at the the cat here on the floor or whatever and and now i'm i'm, I'm faced with a choice comparing what will my life look like if I clean this up? What will my life look like if I don't? Mm-hmm. You know, and it's not like the 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 macro. You know, when I'm 80, is this going to matter? But like in in the next couple moments or however long that I'm thinking about this, I'm comparing is is this thing worth doing or not? And I'll huh. I'll drive myself batty sometimes with that kind of thing. That's weird. Yeah. 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 <laughs> Cool. Well, I really appreciate you sharing uh, your thoughts on this. I just yeah. love having conversations with you. I'm happy Same. that we were able to. Hopefully, I'm not going to count any chickens, but that we might actually get episode 50 in the books here. here goes. And we have some really cool uh, guests coming up in the next couple of weeks awesome. uh, for our series on Grounded. So people that I feel are some of the most grounded people that I know, they're going to hate me saying that because it puts pressure on them, but um, I'm excited to pick their brain about 
how they live their life and how they navigate their struggles and challenges. So awesome. Uh, yeah, we have some some Maybe cool stuff some on things. the horizon. Yeah, awesome. Uh, nice work. From what I hear through the grapevine, you have a fishing weekend that you're about to get into. I will be so, leaving in the morning to go fishing for three days. Happy, happy fishing, snowboarding, yeah, podcasting, to fishing. I'm telling you. I wish I had your life. I'm going to compare myself to you <laughs> all you day dare. long. I'll send you the picture. To all the listeners out there, we so very much appreciate your ears. We thank you for your time. We are incredibly grateful for your attention. We are the School and Struggle Podcast. Episode 50, we are out. See ya.